Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Well, it's good to be here. My name is Sean, just like Tammy said. Um, first, I'd like to uh, thank the pastors and the elders here for making it possible for me to come be with you guys this morning. Uh, it's a quick trip, I think 10, 12 days total. Um, I was up since 2 a.m., um, and it's snowing outside. That's crazy. It was 80 degrees, you know, you know, no humidity, and then I came here, and it's like snowing. Um, I finally got sick of it last night after one day. And told, <laughs> and told Pastor Chuck, um, like, I'm like, why is everything cold? Like, the counters are cold, the silverware is cold, like, the seat's cold. Like, I didn't, I, I'm not prepared for this. And, um, but even though uh, it's cold, and I knew what I was getting into uh, when I said yes to coming here, uh, it's such a great honor to be here, and thank you so much to the church and all the team involved. Uh, for uh, all your support financially, prayerfully, and also uh, bringing me here, too. It's, it's an honor, and I thank my wife, too. Uh, if it wasn't for her, uh, this whole trip wouldn't be planned out. Uh, she's the one that did it all, and I just followed the, the uh, piece of paper that directed me where to go, uh, where to be, and so, and she, she's also doing an amazing job uh, um, holding down the fort, uh, the, uh, the church, and everything else in Thailand. And so, today I want to talk about the heart of missions, the heart of missions. And when I talk about the heart of missions, it, it, it's kind of hard for me because it's like, okay, we all know, you know, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, you know, go into all the world, yada, 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 yada. And so, it's like, we all know it, um, but... Um, It's like we know what to do, but I I believe it's important for us to get God's heart for the nations. God's heart has always been to reach out to everyone, to the whole world. It says in the Bible that it's his will for all to be saved. It's that he desires that. And even back into the Old Testament, like when God told Solomon to build a temple, it was to build a temple so that all the world, all the nations could come to him and worship. And, and so now we come into the New Testament, and it's our challenge as a church uh, to take this news, this good news that we have, um, and Jesus has commissioned us to go out and to uh, share the gospel, to make disciples. And, and so I, I, I believe it's always been God's heart to, to reach out to the nations. And I especially know it's God's heart and desire that we live and become more like Jesus every day and live a life that is beyond ourselves, but a life that, that reaches out to those around us and impacts those around us. I don't believe the church or Christians or believers are called to uh, run away from the world, but we're called to go into the world. We're not trying to... Um, I don't think society and culture should dictate how we do church and how we live, but it's the church that should be defining how society is going to go and how, how culture is going to go because I believe as a church and as people, we're supposed to be culture setters in this world. And so we're not here to play around. Uh, like um, uh, Kim just said, like yesterday I shared about how Jesus didn't die for us to be able to come to church and just sit down every week. Like, we have the Holy Spirit in us for a reason. We have the Holy Spirit to empower us for a reason. Like, it, 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 you don't need the Holy Spirit to come sit in church, but you need the Holy Spirit to go out and do everything God has called you to do. And so, 
today, it's my challenge as a speaker, it's our challenge every time we speak, is to, to take something that we know, something that we're familiar with possibly, and repackage it in a way that will um, bring some new perspectives, uh, perspective on a familiar topic. So... Today, before we start, I want to say, like, you know, let's have a couple questions. Like, so what is it that God wants us to do? How does God want us to live? And I believe when God speaks to our heart, our life should begin to shift. Uh, When we encounter Jesus, when we're saved, like, if we go back to when we first got saved, when we first are convinced of this faith, um, like, what is it that... um, it's like when we gave our life to Jesus, it, it meant our life. Like, um, Jesus isn't a Tylenol, right? It's, he, he's not someone you go to when you need him and, and then you live your life. No, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's, he's the savior. He's, he, he's the savior of our life. And, and, and I think when you encounter Jesus, and I believe when you encounter Jesus, it should change our whole life it should it it should almost like i know it's impossible to pay him back for the grace and love that we receive for him that we undeservingly like received but at least we should try i think if someone extends that kind of love to you and i it's like if he gave his life it's almost like it should be our reasonable response to give our life to him and say lord here's my life I'm in Midland, Michigan, I'm wherever, I'm in Thailand, I'm in Chiang Mai. Like, Lord, use me in whichever way that you need me to. Uh, you, you use me in whatever way you desire. So let's open our hearts this morning to let him speak to us. And, and I want to start off with this question. Is it possible for us, as Christians, as believers, to... To, in, to experience the presence of God, to experience the blessings of God? Is it possible for us to go to church for years but never really encounter Jesus? Is it possible? Is it possible for us to, to, to do Bible studies, to do all this um, Christian things that we do and not really encountered God because because like if you think about it right if you meet Jesus like really met Jesus like it would change your whole world your life wouldn't matter anymore because you're like Lord you are God like and I am not Lord you sacrificed for me I I I am undeservingly here so 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 like so my life it's like should totally be turned upside down and be like okay like I had a plan I had a goal but now now that I've met you everything's changed and and so so I believe like like I, I think so many Christians and and I, it's the same in Thailand where we, we we get too familiar with our religion if you want to call it a religion we go to church on Sundays we do small groups um, if you're a really super Christian, you maybe go to prayer on whichever night or evening that you do it or morning. And, and, and then you kind of just go through life. And, and it's like, is, is that it? Like, just kind of be involved? 
that, that, that's why I want to talk about the heart of missions. Like, I could tell you what you should do, how much I think you should give, um, <laughs> you know, who to give to. Um, I, I, I could tell you to do a lot of things. But I, I believe if your heart is right, and if we would just take a moment and, and let the Holy Spirit minister to us and let him uh, align our hearts to, to his will and his mission and, and his desire to reach the lost and, and, and let, let him mold us and change us to become more like him. And, and in Thailand, it's the same. We just get into a routine and, and like we go to church, we sing glorified karaoke and then we, we, we listen to a really good uh, uh, sermon. And then we go home. And then like, we leave with a little more faith than we came in, in with. We leave with a little more hope than we came in with. We, 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 we go home inspired, I hope. Uh, we go home encouraged, I hope. Um, but, but nothing really changes. And, and, and that's what happens a lot of times. And I think this happened, that this thought came when I was um, uh, re- reading a passage in the gospel of when Jesus fed the 5,000. And we see that Jesus was feeding her 5,000 and this miracle unfolds and, 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 and what wasn't enough began to be multiplied because it was put in Jesus' hands. And, and, and I wonder, like as I read that passage, like I wonder if the crowd... Like, like, how did they go home? Like, did they just go home like, oh, that's a nice meal. You know, like, that's, that, that, that was cool, really cool of Jesus. And, and then, uh, thank you, Jesus. And then, and, and then went back home. But that day, I want to focus on the boy. Because a lot of times we just skip over the boy and we, we just say, well, you know, he's the one with the lunch and nobody else had the lunch, you know. And, and, and so he, he, he was the one that, 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 that had what Jesus needed to, so that way Jesus could multiply it and feed the 5,000. And, and even though everybody, this is the thing, everybody experienced the blessings of God, right? Everybody went home encouraged people got healed that's why they were there the people people started uh um getting hungry and jesus fed them it was a great conference you know they went back home and it was a good day but only one person that day encountered jesus personally and i wonder what it was like for him i wonder what it was like for the boy that when he went home i wonder if he lived life the same after encountering Jesus that day. When he got to see, see what he prepared for himself in an ordinary way, be used in an extraordinary way by Jesus. That's got to change someone's life. Like it, wasn't the way, it wasn't the way that he planned it, planned it out. He packed the lunch for himself. And... Because of Jesus and personal encounter with Jesus, he saw what little he had be multiplied and feed thousands. And so I think it's possible for you and I to have a crowd experience, but it's the personal encounter with Jesus that true change comes. It's impossible to be the same when you personally meet Jesus. And sometimes we need a reminder that 
He can change a person's life around in an instant. I've seen people get saved during the worship service. I haven't even ministered the gospel. I thought I was a great preacher. Then when all of a sudden I'm like, why did you raise your hand? Why did you accept Jesus Christ into your life? They're like, well, we, were, we came in with a question. And as soon as the worship team started worshiping, like we knew whatever this was, we wanted in. Like, like what, what am I there for? <laughs> And, and, and then even the greeters, like, like people welcoming people, letting them, like, like we pray that, that God would use us to bring an encounter, to, 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 be, to, to be the person that Jesus used to bring the presence of God, where when they meet us, when they touch us, that they experience the love of God. And so when we shake people's hand, when they're coming into church or when we're doing an event, we, we expect God to touch them. And, and, and this one guy's like, yeah, as soon as I walked into the parking lot and as soon as like, the greeter uh, greeted us and welcomed us to church, like, and he was so friendly, like, I want in, whatever this is. They haven't even heard about Jesus yet. It's like, they just want in. And, and so, I, um, So I'd like to read the passage and then I'll pray for us and then we get into the message uh, this morning. Uh, That was the intro, guys. Uh, (laughs) So John chapter 6, if you go with me there, and verse 1. John chapter 6, verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that that he was doing what the signs that he was doing on the sick Jesus went up the mountain and there he sat with the disciples now the Passover the feast of the Jews was at hand lifting up his eyes then seeing that large crowd was coming towards him Jesus said to Philip where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat have you ever had a boss that they made a decision or a leader and then all of a sudden there's a problem at, at, at hand and then they turn over to you and be like hey how are we going to fix this problem and that's what Jesus basically did to Philip it's like like he looks at the crowd and he's like Philip how are we going to feed these people if you and I were Philip if I was Philip I was like I don't know you're the genius at hand here they're following you they're here because of you you're the one that wanted to hold this meeting and you didn't plan for the food Right, but all of a sudden, like every boss or every every leader, it's just like, like you kind of throw it off to the second guy, right? Like my dad always used to do, do that, and then my dad finally taught me: no matter what, it's always your fault. Okay, just just accept because in Asia you got to save face, right? So it'd be like I had no clue what was going on, and all of a sudden my dad's like, "Sean, come here." I come over there. There's this other pastor or leader, and he's like, "Why wasn't this done?" And I'm like, "I don't know." Then it's like, well, why? Uh, I asked you to do it. Yes, yes, you did. Like, and it's like, it's not done. I was like, yeah, I'm so sorry about that. That's my fault. You know, sorry, Dad. Like, I'll get to it right away. And, and, and so it's like, almost like Jesus did the same thing to Philip. It's like, okay, hey, how are we going to feed these guys? Verse 6, he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. At least in Jesus' case, that was true, right? Uh, like, uh, any wives here where your husband always acts like he knew the answer the whole time? Like, that's basically what it f- probably felt like to Philip. It's like, 
oh, like, okay, of course. But Jesus could pull off a miracle, so he at least knew what he was doing. Verse 7, Philip answered to him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to even get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter, Peter's brother, said, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the, in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and he had, and he had given thanks, and he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they were, uh, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, "Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost." So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Verse 13 is my favorite. It's like no matter what God does, he does more than enough. He'll give you more than you need. He'll provide you with more than enough where there's leftovers. Like it's already a miracle already, but he's just proving himself that he's more than anything we could think or imagine and ask of. And so I'd like to pray for us this morning, and then I'll go into the message. Um, Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, help me to minister your word. We welcome you here this morning. Do what only you can do in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen, amen. Oh, there is water. All right, so uh, I'm a Mahawan. Uh, my dad always says that you're a Mahawan. You know, there's a certain way to live. There's a certain way to do things. And, and something the Mahawans are known for is we don't plan out a lot. We just kind of go with the flow. And, and a lot of times we would just get excited over things. We'll never read the fine print. And I remember this one time that we, that there was this um, booth and it, it sold our DVDs um, then and, and we, we would buy our movies and stuff there. And what, what happened was that the, in Thailand, they just started having satellite TV. So, and then they had a football player. Uh, when I say football, I mean soccer. They had a football player, like, uh, like a life-size like, cutout there and said, live football. Like for, you know, $10 a month or something like that. We're like, this is exciting. This is great. It's satellite TV. It's consistent. Because up to this point, we had an antenna with a bamboo pole outside that you have to twist and turn a certain direction and hope to God that the wind doesn't come and get it to just the right place so you could watch live football. And, and so we're like, we don't have to have that problem anymore, right? And usually you, you, you would do, do this, like you go outside and you just twist the pole so you have a communication line of guys, right, from the inside of the living room of the house to outside. And, and so we're like, just twist it to the left a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. No, no, go back, go back. Okay, okay, right there. Now let go. And when they let go, the, the, the signal disappears again. So we're like, no, hold it there. Then all of a sudden, it comes to like, who's going to be the sacrificial lamb for the night, right? Who's going to be staying outside the whole night and just hearing about the game and can't watch the game? So this would fix our whole problem. So we signed up, you know, we're like, oh, it's red, it's Manchester United. So we're excited. My dad and I are Manchester United fans. And, and, and so, 
you know, we sign up, we get them to set it up, and we get the TV schedule, and then we, we, we sit and wait for the game, 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock comes around, the game's not on. Like, What's going on here? It's supposed to come on. And then, and then we wait a little bit, and then it still doesn't come. We call customer care. There's no such thing in Thailand. And then, so, so we waited till the next time we went to the city to go talk to the, the cable or satellite company. And so we went and asked them. We're like, hey, you said there would be live football. Like, Manchester United wasn't playing. It said that it was playing. Then they're like, well, that's the English league. We, we say live football is for the Italian league. We're like, well, we want to watch the English league. And they're like, well, we don't have that. We only have the Italian league, which nobody cares about. But, but then if you look at the, the life-size figure on the bottom, it says Italian league. But we were just so excited because we saw the red shirt, the red pants, and then we saw the football there, the soccer ball. And then we we're like, live football, yes, this is amazing. And so it wasn't what we thought it, it, it would be. We had this plan. We prepared for it. And, and you, you, you do know in John chapter 6, the boy didn't plan on giving his lunch up, right? Most of the time, we just think that he's super chill about it. No. One, in Asia, young people don't have a choice. Like, it's like, give that to me, man. Like, that's mine. Because the older you are, you can take advantage of the younger people. And so, so, so it's like their opinions do not matter in this case. So the boy had no choice in this interaction with Jesus. So I, I think the way that I read it is this thing could play out two ways. Two ways. One, it was taken from him. Right? It was taken from him. He was minding his own business. He, he was like, mom and dad's taking him there. He packed his lunch like a type A kid. And he had a plan for it. He had a purpose. He had a vision for it. And he was just going to enjoy the conference. And then all of a sudden, because this guy, Messiah guy, didn't plan the whole thing out, like he turns to Philip, and Philip's like, well, we don't have food. And then all of a sudden, Andrew's like, well, this kid, give this to me. You know, we, all we have is five loaves and two fishes, Lord. And, and then it's like he had no choice, possibly. Maybe it was just taken from him. And, and, and you, you would feel... If it's something that you prepare, because can you imagine, like, you know, he sat there that morning, prepared it. He maybe caught the fish himself. You know, he prepared the loaves. You know, he baked it. Mom was, like, helping him out, you know, boxing his lunch. And he was going there, you know, and everybody else was hungry on the way there. And he was probably a little hungry. And then he's like, no, I should probably save this for later, you know, because we don't know how long-winded this guy's going to be talking. So, so I should just wait a little bit. And then all of a sudden... Like, he finds that his lunch is almost, like, forcefully taken away from him. And, and something that I want to make sure you understand is sometimes your lunch being taken away could be your lunch going to be multiplied. Sometimes what you have prepared for yourself being taken away by God is really God going to multiply it. And the second scenario in this is, I, I painted him out to be a bit selfish, the kid. But maybe he was just put in an awkward situation, right? Maybe he was just put into an awkward situation where he prepared the lunch. He didn't plan on giving it the, his lunch away. It was very evident. It was two fishes and five loaves. That was just enough for what he wanted to do, right? Wanted to eat. So he had no plans to share or give or anything. But he was responsible. You know, he was a good steward of what God had given him. You know, and, and, and so he was being responsible. And then all of a sudden, there's a need that shows up. 
and, and then he gets put in an awkward situation. And, and then they're like, well, all we have is what this kid has, like it's theirs, you know, because he had no choice as Asia. So like, just five loaves and two fishes. And, and then can you imagine the audacity of Aaron? It's like, yeah, all this guy has is five loaves and two fishes. And that's not even enough. If I was a kid, I'd be like, of course it's not enough. Because I packed it for me. I saved it for me. I brought it for me. I had a plan. I had a vision. I wanted it to have two fishes and five loaves. I didn't pack for the whole conference. Like, how is my thing the problem? Right? It's like an insult. It's like, really, if it's anybody's problem, it's those 12 guys in Jesus for not planning. That's how I read the Bible. I'm not sure if you guys read the Bible that way. <laughs> I mean, he could have run away. He could have spoken up. He didn't say anything. Probably a lot like we, we would if we were put in that situation, right? It's like, okay, I'm not really that hungry, but like, how, how can what I have help the situation? How can what I have and what little I have make an impact for 5,000 people? Except for somehow he was the guy that was brought up front as the possible solution for the current need. And so they brought his lunch. And there was a pressure for that lunch, right? There was a pressure. It wasn't enough, but there was pressure on it because of the need at hand. Because the pressure for lunch, for your lunch, may be the beginning of your breakthrough. Maybe the pressure for your lunch may be the beginning of the breakthrough that is needed in the current time. And if I could have the keys player come up, Marie, right? Yes. First thing I want to point out to you, just a couple quick observations, like all that was just to bring it to this point, is that I want you to understand that the blessing was in the breaking of the bread the blessing was in the breaking because what he had was not enough what Jesus had in his hands was not enough but it's interesting to me that we know that there was five loaves and two fishes but the moment that Jesus broke the bread that's the moment that we lost count because the blessing is in the breaking the blessing is in the breaking because, and, and imagine this, Jesus was thankful for what wasn't enough. I mean, we're always complaining for what's not enough, right? That's how I am. I'm like, we don't have enough. We don't have enough that. But the, the thing that I've learned is until you learn to be thankful for, for what's not enough, then you will never see what's not enough be used and multiplied to become more than enough. Jesus, thank God for what wasn't enough. Because until you can be thankful for what you have, even if it's not enough, then what you have can never be multiplied to become more than enough. Therefore, I think we have to understand that sometimes when we give, sometimes when we serve, it's a breaking of ourselves sometimes. 
It's a breaking. Like Tammy listed out all the things that, that we do and that I lead. And, and it stresses me out when I count it out. Like, to be honest, like I break out in hives. Like, I, I, I don't know how I do it. I don't know how we do it. It's by the grace of God. And so when we, when we, <laughs> when we count it out and someone's like, oh, that's amazing that you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. And I'm like freaking out on the inside. I'm like, oh, I'm like what's going on? Like, it's a lot. But it's the breaking. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about us bringing what's not enough, being thankful for it, and be like, God, use it. Multiply it. It feels like we're losing when we're breaking, but it's actually gaining. Some of the most blessed people that I know in my life are the people that has gone through the most breaking. But yet somehow they come out with more joy, with more faith, and more hope than everyone else. Because they went through the most. Second thing is that God multiplies what is given to him. When the boy brought his lunch to Jesus, maybe it wasn't brought, maybe it was forced, (laughs) maybe it was taken away. But nonetheless, when what wasn't enough was brought to Jesus, was it began to multiply. And you, you can start making me sound spiritual here. Thank you. God multiplies what is given to him. If you give him your time, he'll multiply it. You'll never lose it. You'll never lose it. If you serve, you won't lose it. If you give your money, your energy, God will multiply it. You know, for the first six months of this church plan, which the whole thing is a crazy idea, and I don't, because it's a God idea, like, it was beyond anything I can think or imagine, Uh, which, by the way, whatever you do, if it doesn't take faith, which means it's beyond what you can do, it's not really God, because God only asks you to do something that you can't do, because if you do it with Him, it becomes possible, and and, and so so, so, so don't, don't try to think within your limits, don't try to think within your budget limits. You know, I signed a contract for rent for the church without one person coming to church and without the money I was talking like I had all the money in the world man I was like faking it till I make it but like you know I'm like bring it down this much 5% it didn't matter whether it was 5, 20 or 30 I still didn't have the money but God always whatever you bring to him God always multiplies it it's like it's like planting seed like the farmer knows that the seed must be sacrificed like it's, it's safe to keep the seed, but it's, it's in sacrificing the seed when it's buried in the ground where there's no guarantee that the rain, that the rain will come, that the environment will be just right. It, it takes faith to sow the seed. But a seed kept in hand accomplishes nothing. But if you plant it, it multiplies. In the same way, God multiplies whatever you give to him. Whether it's your time, your energy, your money, your business, whatever fact, however your life works. The key ingredient in planting in seed is faith. But you can't bargain with God. Like faith, faith is, I'm going off script here. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. 
So, so, but, but, but what, what is faith? How, how, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. And so you have to plant yourself in the word of God. You, you, you have to read it. You, you have to study it. You, 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 have to, you, you have to revolve your life around it until you start walking in it. And, 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 then, and then you start making choices. And then you start making moves in life. And then you start, start feeling like, oh, maybe I need to open this side of my life up a bit more. Maybe, maybe you know, I know I needed to get that car. I know I needed, I thought I wanted to do this or do that. But maybe I'm just going to allot this portion of my finances or this portion of my life or this portion of my family to let God just step out in faith and live in faith in that area so that way I can see God move in my life. Um, last, last night, which was Sunday morning for us, it's our fifth weekend that we open a Sunday morning service, and we've been doing Fridays. But it, it, it's, we, we, we had more than 100 people in church after just five weekends of church. Like, that's, that's crazy. Like my, my wife also says, I don't feel qualified. Well, neither do I. <laughs> but God is using us, and God can use you too. And so, but God doesn't work. Until we step out in faith. Nobody in the Bible says, when God comes to them and asks them to do something, says, yes, I was hoping he would pick me. I was hoping he, want, he, 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 he would ask me to go preach over there or go, go be a missionary or live this and live a sacrificial life so that way I could give more. And, 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 and like nobody in the Bible did that. Most of them ran away. They argued. They talked back. That was their initial response most of the time. Because it takes faith. Because it takes faith. Because it takes faith to live life and live for missions. It's the heart of God. It, it, it's crazy. We're, we're one of the weirdest people in the world, guys. We, like in, in Thailand, we're weird. We worship a God that we can't see. They, at least they can see their God. We, we, we come to church, we sing songs together. This is the, through their, 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 their view. And, and it's, it's crazy to people, even to Buddhist people, to live life beyond yourself. But that's what happens when you encounter Jesus. That's what happens when you encounter Jesus. It's like, God, I know that what I have may not be enough. But I'm bringing it to you anyways. Like, I, I, I know what, what I'm doing is not perfect, but I'm bringing it to you anyways, Lord. Because when you encounter Jesus, you will always be presented with an opportunity to live beyond yourself and your capabilities. That's the call that you and I have as believers and as Christians, is to live a life beyond ourselves. So this morning, I'd like to ask you, how are you living life beyond yourself? And you're like, well, maybe, I might be, maybe you're saying, I'm at my limit already. Well, that's good. Stay there. Because that's where God wants you all the time. It's to, to be like, I don't know if I can do this. That's when God steps in. Because it's in our weakness that we find strength, that we are made strong. That's how the game works, if you want to talk for real. That's how the game works. 
It's when you're unqualified. It's when you can't do it. When you're weak. When, when, when you, you have self-doubt. And like, that's when God comes in and he does extraordinary things. And you, you will begin to see what, just like the little boy, something you prepared in an ordinary way, something that you prepared for yourself, be used in an extraordinary way and be a blessing to many, many, many people. And it's the opposite for the kingdom of God. In order to live a life beyond yourself, you must lose yourself. If you want to live, you've got to die. If you want to be the head, you've got to be the tail. I think that's how it goes. If you want to be first, you've got to be last. If you want to be in a place of influence, then you've got to serve from the bottom. That's how the kingdom works. And so in our life this morning, and I'm over time already, almost two minutes, is I want to challenge you guys to just, I want to pray for you, to just open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. I'm not going into specifics here. I'm just speaking in generalities because I believe it's the Holy Spirit's job to speak to you personally and, and, and convict you personally on what you should do or shouldn't do, how you should live your life, how you should. Like, I know a guy where he, he had this crazy plan in, in, in college where he wanted to make enough money, so much money that he could live off 10% and give God 90. And now he's 32 and he's able to do that. That was his goal. No, there's nothing in the Bible that tells you to do that. But he was like, you know what? I'm going to do something for God. I'm going to do something for Jesus. I'm going to work so hard. I'm going to try to build the kingdom of God. And I'm going to flip it. I'm going to be like, instead of just giving God 10, I'm going to give God 90. And then I'm going to live on 10. It's crazy. And so, let me pray for you. And, and then after that, I think uh, we have a video. And it's been such a great honor to be here with you guys. I'm leaving this evening uh, back to the West Coast. And then after that, I'll be heading back to Thailand. But I know there's a couple mission trips. I might be opening up a can of worms here. But I know there's a couple mission trips planned to come to Thailand. And we look forward to seeing you guys there. And it's going to be exciting times. God has great things in store for us uh, as a church and as people. And it's going to be an amazing time. Let me pray for you. Dear Jesus, I thank you for each and every person in this room. I pray, Lord, for a fresh encounter with you, Jesus. I pray, Lord, for fresh revelation of who you are and all that you have planned for us as your people. And I pray, Lord, what we have may be just fishes and loaves, and we don't know how what we have would make an impact on the need that this world has. But I pray, Lord, we lift it up to you, and we're thankful for what we have. But we know that you can do beyond anything we can think, dream, or imagine. We Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy upon each and every life. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen.